The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. From your favorite source for Chicago White Sox talk, delivering news, interviews, analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson. Thanks, Rob, and welcome to a new episode of the Sox Machine Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Nelson, and it is Monday, March 20th, 2023. Don't worry, my March Madness bracket is also busted like most in the country, which is fine. We can focus our attention on baseball as we continue our 2023 season previews, breaking down position by position. In this week's episode, we're combining the starting pitchers for the Chicago White Sox along with their starting catchers. Could this five-man rotation for the White Sox take a step forward in 2023? Can Yasmani Grandal redeem himself? Can he find his 2021 form? And can Semi Savala be a reliable backup catcher? Those are some topics that we'll be discussing as we break down each of the starting pitchers for the White Sox as far as the projected rotation, and also take a look at Grandal and Sebi Zavala later in the show. Joining me to help preview is the managing editor of SoxMachine.com. It's Jim Margulis. And Jim, we got a lot of show, so let's go ahead and get started. And let's go with the guy who just made the most recent start in spring training for the Chicago White Sox, and that was Dylan mm-hmm. Cease. He looked a lot better, a lot better against the Seattle Mariners. And it's been a progression for him during spring training. And when it comes to Dylan Cease, the projections are still very friendly to Dylan Cease. And he's still going to be one of the favorites, one of the pitchers on the short list, contending for the American League Cy Young. Depth charts on fan graphs is projecting 32 games started, which would be wonderful. 187 innings, almost at 11 strikeouts per nine rate. 3.4 3.4 war, which might be on the low side if Dylan Cease can make 32 starts. I think the big storyline for Dylan Cease is how does he follow up 2022? Because we've seen the progression from 2020 where he wasn't very good. He took a step forward in 2021. He took a giant leap in 2022. What are you hoping to see or what are you expecting to see from Cease in 2023? Well, you know, I don't think he has to do anymore. Like, I think he's leapt to where like a leap is no longer necessary. There is room for improvement, but when you look at his history and look at like, let's just say the walks, you know, like for instance, like 
he's shown he can succeed with a high walk rate. You know, there might be some ways regression bites into that, uh, you know, Cy Young runner up finish. And all of a sudden he is just more of a Cy Young finalist or you get some down ballot votes and whatnot. But basically I think the most important number I look at is 32 starts each of the last two years. Like he has not missed a turn. So that's why I really don't want to get greedy with a season say like, well, if he could only do this, he would be a Cy Young winner. I'm just like, Keep taking the ball. Keep taking the ball. Uh, you know, he's proven hard to hit, even in his lesser form in 2021. Like he was a valuable starter for the White Sox team that just needed guys to take the ball and and not miss starts. So basically that's all I'm hoping for from him is just that to to keep that um you know, I guess knowledge of his mechanics, knowledge of his body, uh cooperative, uh shoulder and arm and lat and everything else, and just keep uh, making the, his starts every five days or every six days. And this is something that Ethan Katz has brought up, that this has been something at the forefront for the White Sox while managing spring training and expectations with Dylan Cease is that they're going to be mindful early in the season the type of workload that he had last year carrying the rotation along with Johnny Cueto while the White Sox were part, piecing together a starting rotation at it seems like at parts of the 2022 season, whether pitchers were ineffective or they were just hurt, but Dylan Cease has been dependable for the White Sox, as you mentioned, making 32 starts in multiple seasons. And hopefully that is still the case in 2023. Do you think they take it slow out of the gate with Cease to start the season? Where in Houston right now, he's a projected opening day starter. He only throws like 80 or 85 pitches in that start. And it's like five innings. Do you think he would start that slow or do you think the White Sox could let him try to go a hundred pitches? I think it probably depends on the per inning workload. Like if he is throwing, if he's averaging like 15 innings per, like, yeah, I can see him going six, uh, you know, even going into the seventh inning with that kind of, you know, low stress, um, you know, per inning, uh, taxing on his arm. So I, th- I think, you know, it's, it's more a matter to me when you're watching guys early and you're seeing like the spring training of guys being pulled after 25 pitches, 30 pitches, and then, you know, coming back for a little bit more work and then you know, getting, getting pulled again. I think it's probably more the template. So I would say like, if he has like a 30 pitch inning somewhere in there, he might only go 80, you know, or he might only go five innings at best, but it does seem like with cease, you know, there is a, a case where like, you don't want to, you know, risk burning him out, but you also need basically every start from him and, and every inning from him, uh, especially as we have these conversations uh, down rotation about uh, Mike Clevenger and Mike Michael Kopech and then, you know, the, the guys beyond them to where, like, you're going to need those innings. Those innings are important. Getting, uh, if he's going to be looked at as number one, you know, I, I don't know if we're ever going to go back to the days where it's like Chris Sale and Jose Quintana throwing 200, 210 innings between them. And, Mm -hmm. you know, those being the guys that saved the bullpen, maybe it's just not looked like that anymore to where like those extra 30 innings over 30 starts, you know, make a difference when you're talking about like five innings or six innings instead of five, seven innings instead of six. Like, will he be a guy who can do that? Like, I'm not quite sure because like he does, throw hard and he does uh, have long at bats and sometimes long innings with the way his uh, command can, can evade him. So, you know, I'm, I'm thinking he's more of a, you know, there are other guys who maybe fit the horse spill better on the staff and he's still more of a, somebody who 
like Carlos Rodon, you know, good Carlos Rodon, just somebody who sometimes just gets long protracted at bats because of how hard he is to hit and how hard he is to put the ball in play against to where like he just might be somebody who stalls at, at like 180, 185 innings or so and never quite gets to that 200 guy that would make the Cy Young conversation a, a little bit more easy for him. I think I know what the answer is for this next question, but what's the one thing that Dylan Cease has to improve upon in 2023? It walks. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty simple. Yeah, do you think he could be this successful having a walk rate above three per nine? Kind of. Like, you know, when it comes to the way he's been throwing and, like, he only allowed 126 hits. So I think part of the walk rate, you can bake that into the the low hit totals and, and low average against and say, like, well, just a byproduct of his approach, a byproduct of either, you know, uh, having stuff that darts out of the zone or having like pitches that are foul tipped off to where like it bats just last a little longer against him and allow, uh, you know, ball three to get to ball four. Like that's kind of how I look at it. So, you know, if he were giving up like say 170 hits over 184 innings with this walk rate, I'd say, yeah, it's, it's a miracle that he had an ERA under three. Uh, and obviously it wouldn't work like that, but just, you know, when you have the low hit total like that, and it's been pretty consistent the last two years because even in 2021, 139 over 165, um, you know, that's, you know, a higher hit rate, but still like the, the FIP was low. So in 2021, he uh, underperformed his FIP by a half run. In 2022, he overperformed his FIP by nearly one run, uh, nine tenths of a run. So I think that's the balance we're kind of finding here is just, you know, Sometimes the fortune will smile at him and cutting his home run rate certainly helped. Uh, but yeah, I, I think he can strike that balance. It's just a matter of it lowers his ceiling in terms of like innings per start and innings in the season to where like uh, if a Justin Verlander type or some other, you know, um, starter comes in and throws 210 innings of 2.5 ERA ball. Is that enough to like just make Cease a perpetual runner up if he keeps having the same season where he is a 2.2 ERA guy, but just can't quite get to that 200 inning mark because of that pitch count he racks up. So for Dylan Cease's over under in 2021, he had 226 strikeouts. In 2022, he had 227 strikeouts. Naturally, I would just be like, is he going to get 228 strikeouts? Just add one more strikeout sure. per season. Simple math. But I'm putting the over under at 225 and a half strikeouts. Are you taking the over or under on that total, Jim? I'm going to say the under just because like one missed start could be all it takes to uh, get under that number. Um, well, before I monologue here, what do you say? I think... I'm going to take the under, but I still think he's going to strike out more than 200. Like the number that's in my head is like 210. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Uh, the thing that kind of fascinates me about Cease is that his last double-digit strikeout rate in 2022 was on June 26th. So like, I'm not sure if that's a matter of like lost some of the power, lost some of the dominance or shifted into more of a, you know, he, he still was successful. I'm looking up his ERA here just, you know, during the second half of the season. That were teams adjusting to him or was it a different, like a different plan of attack? I think they were trying to get to him a little bit earlier in the counts, you know, and trying to get to him there. But also like, I think, you know, some of his effectiveness just, wore off a little bit as the season went on and became more of a grind. But yeah, I mean, still like a 1.92 ERA. So like uh, if teams go at him like that, um, you know, that's a case where maybe 
with a little bit of improvement in the walk rate, he does get to 190 innings. And and then all of a sudden the uh, strikeout number that you mentioned, uh, you know, where he gets a 227, 228, 229, uh, keeps ticking the number upwards, like comes into play. And, you know, maybe that's something where the strikeout rate doesn't need to be as gaudy in order to get to that number. Um, that is the bounce that's going to be worth, uh, you know, just seeing how he strikes it. But, uh, you know, along those lines, though, over those 103 innings, 41 walks. So the walk rate was still persistent, even with those shorter at bats of just teams attacking him earlier in the count. So if teams wait him out, you know, James Feagan had a story about this, about, you know, teams, this dilemma that they have, do we tag him early and get him off the hook and allow him to throw six innings or do we wait him out and get into bad counts and, you know, strike out 13 times and he still gets to five, six innings. Like that's kind of the, uh, the dilemma, the paradox of facing C. So that's why I think like, even if there is a little bit of regression, uh, the ERA should be still pretty, pretty healthy for him as long as there isn't something he's trying to pitch through where all of a sudden he's working at like 94 or 95 versus, you know, being able to hit 97, 98 with regularity. He's had back-to-back 4.4 war seasons, according to Thangrafts, and he's still the ace for the Chicago White Sox, and we're hoping for big things from Dylan Cease in 2023. Now for the rest of the rotation. This is where we get into, I think, a little optimism, but there's some question marks, and there are some pitchers where... It's not optimism. There is concern because of the question mark. So let's start with the optimistic approach first. Mm-hmm. Let's go with Lance Lynn, who has been pitching really well for Team USA in the World Baseball Classic. But the big storyline is after a really rough 2022 where he got hurt late in spring training, didn't rejoin the team until June. When he rejoins the team, he is not his old self. He really struggles. He got hot late in the season, but it was just too little, too late from Lance Lynn to help out the White Sox in 2022. So, Jim, can Lance Lynn turn back the clock to his 2021 self? I think he can. I think when the White Sox traded for him and then extended him, the guy I liked comparing him to was Bartolo Colon, uh, just because of the pretty simple approach he has and the, you know, just throwing a cutter, throwing a four-seamer, throwing a two-seamer, just... Not quite sure uh, which way the ball is going to break or run coming out of his hand, but it's going to be pretty easy to repeat. Uh, you know, you can lose like maybe a tick and still be effective because maybe if you lose a tick, you maybe gain a little bit more of a a, a different tilt on the uh, cutter or on the, uh, you know, maybe go to the two-seamer a bit more and get ground balls. Like there are a whole un- bunch of ways if you can command three different kinds of fastball to where you can just keep getting by with like, you know, 3.5 ERACs. Maybe you don't get to the Cy Young finalist of 2021, but in terms of just the per start effectiveness, um, the ability to go deep into games because he's getting contact earlier in counts and not really walking guys. Uh, He can be quite useful to like, even if he doesn't get all the way back to his 2021 self being very valuable, this rotation, I think is just trying to make, starts in like the high 20s get to 30 starts get to 160 170 innings of good baseball not like 160 innings of like being off for a month and a half like it had to be 160 innings of like when you're around you're pitching well I think you can do that just because of the approach and then also we've seen more of the curveball uh, more of the uh, slider more of defined breaking balls which could give them that uh, even if they're not quite new tricks just a new emphasis on stuff he's picked up recently to 
get hitters off him if he needs, like if he's facing a lefty heavy lineup that might take him deep. Like, okay, use that curveball more, uh, you know, grab strikes, get uh, swings over the top of it, get pop-ups. Uh, another way he can go about his business to make him a little bit more versatile uh, when he faces those kind of lineups, like the, the Astros, he might face the Astros right away. But like when he was at the height of his powers and the Astros still gave him problems, having a curveball, having something that makes them change the scouting reports mid game would be something where he didn't have that before. And maybe that extends his shelf life as a very good starter. Yeah. Lance Lynn does have a club option, but there is a buyout for the Chicago white Sox of just $1 million. So if Lance Lynn duplicates his 2022 season, it's a very cheap way to get out of the contract of Lance Lynn. So this is a pretty big year for Lance Lynn. You could almost, it almost serves as like a contract year for Lance Lynn as Fangraph's step charts is projecting 31 starts for Lance Lynn, 180 innings, which would be fantastic from a White Sox perspective with an ERA at 3.91, so below four, and a 2.7 war for Lance Lynn. What's the one thing that Lynn has to approve upon in 2023, Jim? Just his knee, you know, making yeah. sure that's there and... You never quite know with him just because he's always cagey with his comments and, and and very terse when it comes to describing anything wrong with him. Because I think it's like, you know, he doesn't want to use it as a crutch, doesn't want to use it as an excuse. Maybe it's like his you know, mentality of just like, well, if I acknowledge it, it's beating me. Like if I pretend it's not there, you know, mind over body, that sort of thing. But just without knowing and without like having you know, like Lucas Giolito is the opposite to where Giolito will go into detail about everything wrong with him and everything that he's doing to try to combat it. Like he, he goes about the opposite way. Like if I can solve this problem, I will let you know. Lynn is more like, there's no problem. There's no problem. Oh, I had surgery for a problem. Like that's kind of goes about it. <laughs> so like that's uh you know, you're seeing like a duality there in terms of just how they, uh, you know, two mindsets, but yeah, that just really comes down to his knee in terms of how well he can, you know, or how much he can impact this rotation. If the knee is bothering him and if he's not around or if he's throwing like 91, 92 and life just isn't there, then yeah, it's a, it's a case where somebody else is going to have to step up. And I just question whether somebody else who hasn't stepped up can step up. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point at the end. And the white Sox, even though he is 37 years old, the white Sox are counting on a great deal from Lance Lynn to help secure the spot behind Dylan cease. He is a projected number two starter for the Chicago white Sox. So we move into the over-under for Lance Lynn, and I put the over-under line at 28.5 starts for Lance Lynn. I think it's a bit unrealistic to expect a 37-year-old pitcher in Lance Lynn who has had knee issues to ha to pencil in 32 starts for Lance Lynn. Like, I think it's a bit unrealistic. Like, something is going to bark up on him, whether it's the knee, maybe it's the back, as someone that's in their late 30s, these are things that I totally understand now uh, from a human body um, perspective. So over under 20 and a half starts for Lance Lynn in 2023, Jim. I'm going to say under and I'm going to feel like a pessimist because I don't think that number is that far off. Like if you said 27 and a half, I would have said like, hmm. You maybe say the over. So you did set a good number and it's in that range, but just, he hasn't done that in since 2019. And you know, obviously the, the, he made every start in 2020 and he could only make 13 starts, but just, you know, 2021 case of just, they had such a big lead. We don't know how much it was hurting him. Like if he had to, uh, if they needed every start, could he have delivered 
every start or would you have seen like just the performance really fall off? Like, I don't quite know. And I don't have enough confidence to say like, he's better than that guy or he's more durable than that guy. Um, and and you know, here's a case too, where with Pedro Grafal, with Jeff head, with like hopefully very healthy lines of communication between the manager's office and the front office, will they be more cautious about giving guys a breather? Will we see like, like a lot of Davis Martin or whoever's going to be in line, Sean Burke, Jesse Schultons, if he's able to be carried on the 40 man roster, like just, are we going to see more spot starts to help guys get by more usage of the, uh, either the injured list or just strategic days off to where like, Oh, skip a start. We have a, uh, you know, a day off here. We have the, one of those weeks with two days off and we can rearrange things like, Curious to see like how they're going to manage workloads for some guys as it comes up, because I don't think, you know, the last two years of Tony La Russa, especially like last year, uh, sets any kind of template for what the decision making is going to be in this regard for Griffall and just everybody else in the whole new coaching staff, aside from Ethan Katz underneath them. For that matter, like how will Ethan Katz's job change <laughs> with better lines of communication with the manager and, and with the front office. So that's, it's one thing I'm going to be looking at just because, uh, with all the ways Rick Hahn talked passive aggressively about the Tony La Russa era, I think this is the one that can can offer the most in terms of just how much damage it could have done and how much damage it might be able to prevent just by being a little bit more proactive or precautionary about uh, players playing without like, I think we saw precautionary from the White Sox with Tony La Russa, but it's more like a matter of like, don't hustle play, but don't hustle. Right. <laughs> and then it didn't catch up. So hopefully it's a case of like, you know, Rick Hahn saying we want to see hundred percent from guys who are on the field. And if they have to manage guys to remain hundred percent or 95% to where it all looks the same, I want to see how that looks. I'm going to take the under, he made 28 starts in 2021. That's why I put this number at 28 and a half. I'm thinking 27, 28 starts for Lance Lynn. And obviously we would like to see more, but I'm just trying to be realistic here, folks, that I could see a couple of visits to the IL, nothing too serious, but something where Lance Lynn may have to miss two starts in a row because he's nursing some type of nagging injury and the White Sox need to give him some additional rest. So they have him for the stretch run. That's that's kind of what I'm foreseeing from Lance Lynn. I think he makes more than 21 starts than he did last year for the 2022 White Sox. So I, I've still got him pegged for 27, 28 starts, but I'm also taking the under for Lance Lynn. Jim and I are going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors, but coming up next, we're going to talk about Lucas Giolito, who enters his contract year, and the White Sox having Mike Clevenger and Michael Kopak try to fill out the rest of the starting rotation next on the Sox Machine Podcast. Kick off the new year with new gear built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered from the sun to the slopes with premium polarized shades, customable snow glasses, and much more. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair you've worn. Durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. And that's not all. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they told us they will send you a brand new pair. No questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back long after you purchase. With Shady Rays, you can look good and feel good. 
To date, they have donated over 20 million meals to fight hunger with Feeding America. If you don't love them, exchange them for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Their team always has your back. I actually have three pairs from Shady Rays because they just look awesome and I'm very picky about my sunglasses. Sometimes I like to match my sunglasses with my outfit. I could be that way. And exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the new year. Go to ShadyRays.com and use promo code SOCKSMACHINE for 50% off two pairs of polarized sunglasses. Again, that's ShadyRays.com, promo code SOCKSMACHINE. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 200,000 people. We'll go back to the Sox Machine podcast. All right, so we talked about Dylan Cease. We talked about Lance Lynn. Let's talk about Lucas Giolito. And Jim, it's a contract year for Lucas Giolito. We've seen this across Major League Baseball. For whatever reason, these types of guys often have huge years that help inflate their free agency market in the upcoming offseason. And I've got a feeling this could also happen to Lucas Giolito. It cannot get much worse for Lucas Giolito than 2022. A lot of questions leading up into the season, how he's going to take a step forward. He gained a bunch of muscle, a bunch of weight. That clearly did not help anything. Cultivated mass. Cultivated mass. Fastball velocity went away, and he was just not effective for the White Sox, and it looked like he took a step back after being very good from 2019 through 2021. So the big storyline for Lucas Giolito 2023, Jim, what version of Giolito will we see in his contract year? I don't know. Like in this case, like I do not have a good feeling for a Giolito. Like I have a good feeling for Cease. I have a good feeling about like what Lance Lynn is all about for better, for worse with Giolito. Like he's kind of a mystery to me because we've been talking about his fastball velocity and talking about like how important that is to whether he is like 92 or 94 and just the extra bit of oomph and life that has and how much it, uh, makes a contrast with the change up and, and, you know, the power on the slider and so forth. And just like the swings in his body, you know, going from, you know, heavy and thick to back to like, when I saw the photo uh, from spring training, I was like, Whoa, like that's, that's a lot of weight. Like, I don't know if that's like good or just like really searching like that's it, you know, it doesn't inspire that much confidence when you're like swinging, you know, to me at least like swinging and weight that much. Like that just strikes me as like overcorrecting. And, you know, maybe it's not just to my, to my eye, to my, like, just, you know, everything I kind of know about, um, you know, weight gain and training, <laughs> just like to go to one extreme and then the other, you know, it reminds me of like just the, the method actors of, you know, bulking up for a role. And then, you know, like Christian Bale and the machinist, like, you know, going down to, you know, seeing all ribs and just like, that can't be healthy. So that's what just, you know, it strikes me as like, man, he's, he's either really driven or really, um, throwing himself into whatever could possibly work because he needs it to work. And so that's why, like, I, I don't know. And, I, I want him to have that kind of contract here because I like him as a pitcher. I like him as a person. Seems like a, a swell guy, a solid citizen, everything like that. So like I'm rooting for him, but just, you know, when it comes to gut feelings, like we've seen him improve, we've seen him make the necessary changes. So point in his favor, just the body swings. Like, I don't know. There's like a whiff of desperation or at least just, you know, um, you know, I, I don't to go into that swing. Just like, you know, that's why I just have this feeling of like, 
counteracting the positive feeling of like he's done this before he can get back on track just i can see you know if he posted a uh you know another era of uh, 3.5 and had like another like sixth place Cy young finish like sure i see it if he had another year where he's just kind of like a number three starter by innings number four starter by effectiveness like i could see that too like i really don't know i'm curious about your thoughts because like i'd I can see it going both ways because it's such a, a fine line that he rides. So on Saturday, I joined Steve Rosenblum on 6-7 The Score, and he asked me about what I was thinking of regarding Lucas Giolito entering the season. And I think the one thing that he gained in the offseason is a renewed sense of focus. He's dropped that weight. He looks back to the body that he had in 2021. And there's so much money riding on this season for Lucas Giolito. And when he is focused, we have seen it from 2019 to 2021. He could really lead this White Sox rotation where he was their best starting pitcher in those seasons for the Chicago White Sox. And I think he can reclaim that spot this year. That's how confident I'm in Giolito and bouncing back. It's the same level of confidence that I have in Tim Anderson bouncing back. And you alluded to it, Jim. We've seen him bounce Mm -hmm. back. It's easier to sell me on a player bouncing back if they've already done that. And, of course, I think of that ridiculous commercial from Guarantee yeah. Radio. Maybe he just wants another uh, spot in two years. Maybe he does. It'll be with a different team, I think, after this season. But I think there's so much writing on the line, and Lucas is aware of that, and he understands that. So with that renewed sense of focus, I think we will see the pitcher that will revert back to form from 2019 to 2021. And all of a sudden... It's really easy to see the White Sox front three of Dylan Cease, Lance Lynn, and Lucas Giolito being three to five war starting pitchers Mm -hmm. and being a very formidable one, two, three. So that's what I'm expecting from Lucas Giolito, of course, with the caveat, if he stays healthy. Uh, But health hasn't been that big of a factor for Lucas Giolito. Yes, he goes in the IL time to time from hamstring issues or whatever nagging injuries. But so far in his White Sox career, for the most part, when you play 162 games, you can count on 170-plus innings from Lucas Giolito, and that's a little bit foreshadowing of a topic coming here in a moment. But before we get to that moment, Jim, the one thing to improve upon, I'm going to guess again, just like I did for Dylan Cease, is it fastball velocity or is it something else that he's got to improve upon? I think power would be the one like, or just, you know, a way to, if he doesn't have the power of like 94 to 95, even touching 96 at times when he's like amped up, um, then just a way to counteract that better breaking ball. Like the slider is, is kind of a meh pitch, but just having a different way to go about his business. If he doesn't have that, it's like, you know, there are two ways to attack his off season. Um, one is to reestablish that velocity and, and the other is to come up with a different plan of attack. And I'm hoping the, the, the fastball velocity is a much straighter, uh, course towards uh above averageness so i'm hoping for that but yeah it just has to be one of the two things yeah i i think it's if he regains the fastball velocity and he can that difference in speed between his still excellent changeup the changeup was good last year the fastball and slider were not you cannot be a one pitch pitcher in the major leagues as far as a starter and your best pitch is a changeup that can't build off of anything that anything else that you're throwing so if he can at least get his fastball back on track and become and have two above average pitchers 
and then throw the slider that I still don't have a good feeling in spring training if this pitch is approved upon. That's an unknown. We won't know until we start playing regular season games if we're starting to see a better version of a slider or breaking pitches from Lucas Giolito. So he's got a really good third offering. But if he could regain that fastball velocity, and I'm talking 94 miles per hour, if he can average 94 miles per hour in 2023, I think he definitely goes back to his form from 2019 to 2021. And that form of Lucas Giolito entering free agency at age 29 makes a lot of money, a lot of mm-hmm. money uh, in the offseason as a free agent starting pitcher. So let's go to the over-under. And as I foreshadowed just a moment ago, I have the over-under at 175 and a half innings for Lucas Giolito. Are you taking the over or the under, Jim? Once again, taking the under because it's just a touch too high. Just, you know, when you look at his uh, track record, 173, 176, 178, 161 uh, with his full seasons. And just like if any one of those seasons like crossed 180 you know, or, or crossed like uh, 185 for one season, I could see like having the upwards wiggle room to say like, yeah, so you can get to 176 innings. Like, sure. But, you know, without that one season to kind of nudge, uh, you know, I guess the Overton window of his uh, in-season durability uh, that far. Like, I would just say under and just think like, yeah, 170, 175 is more the target. My gut is over. I think he leads the White Sox starting pitchers in innings this year. I like it. Yeah, uh, I, like, I like your optimism because I can see it. I just can't quite get there myself, but mm-hmm. uh, I'm hoping to see what you're seeing. Yeah, again, good reason for Lucas Giolito personally, as you mentioned. We're rooting for you, Lucas, and we're rooting for you to make a lot of money because we know that baseball is a business and you're currently with a franchise that doesn't like to sign starting pitchers to that type of money. If you deserve or earn that type of money, it's because you had a monster 2023 season and that would help the White Sox greatly. So that's what I'm expecting to see from Lucas Giolito this upcoming year. All right, so those are the two starting pitchers, Lance Lynn and Lucas Giolito. More optimistic about them bouncing back from 2022, even though they got question marks. Let's talk about the back end of the rotation. And we're going to be talking about Mike Clevenger here. We're going to talk about Mike Clevenger on the field. Mm-hmm. Watching him in spring training in his previous in his previous start, in his last start against the Chicago Cubs, I noticed something, Jim, that when Clevenger... Would, he overthrew sometimes and he over rotated on his plant leg on his left leg. And it looked like he may have twisted a little too far when getting his hip through from the windup, making a pitch. And when he gave up home runs, you know, that old man knee that we sometimes get when it's cold, did you have to do this like half squat because your knee is sore for some odd reason? Mm-hmm. When he gave up those home runs... I don't don't know anything about that, I mean. (laughs) When Clevenger gave up those home runs, if you watch the film, you could see him do that half squat. Like, it's, it's pretty clear to me that something was bugging him in his left knee, but he grinded it through, and he got through the innings that Grafal and the pitching staff wanted him to get through. The big storyline on the field for Mike Clevenger entering this season, is he good enough, and is he worth the money that they have signed and jumping the free agent market because he was not very good in his last 11 starts with the San Diego Padres. 
and the White Sox really need him to replace the type of performance that they got from Johnny Cueto last year if they're going to catch Cleveland and still stay ahead of Minnesota in the American League Central. That is a question, isn't it? Like when it comes to just what we've seen and and here's a case where like I wish the White Sox were training in Florida just so we had data to understand like, you know, there were reports yeah. of him hitting 96 and if he's hitting 96, that's one big piece of just what makes him a special pitcher as opposed to just somebody who can, you know, fill a fifth spot and throw 130 mediocre innings. So like 96 is like, okay, that's something like the White Sox might not have been off there in terms of like what he has left. But then you mentioned the knee thing and just, you know, that is, you know, I I think he's good enough to help the White Sox rotation if he's healthy because they need somebody like him. They, They don't need him to be, Johnny Cueto good like they need C. Lynn and Giolito to deliver like the Johnny Cueto good like Giolito or Cueto made up for Giolito basically like in terms of like they kind of shifted spots good like point. if Giolito were his usual self and Cueto were the guy with like a 4.9 ERA but throwing like six innings a start like everybody would have been happy with that for the investment so if Giolito is himself and then like Clevenger just has to occupy the fourth spot like he can help in that regard, like mediocrity, you know, if he's healthy and taking the ball every five days or throwing 150 innings, like the White Sox can use a guy like him. So I think he's good enough to help. He's not, I don't think he's good enough to be what Johnny Cueto was just the horse that Johnny Cueto, you know, Johnny Cueto was what he loves a horse, <laughs> like, like a horse, Johnny Cueto uh, was reliable and just had a drive that you couldn't stop. And, and like, I don't think Clevenger's going to do that, but in terms of just giving the White Sox adequacy for, um, you know, 25 starts, like maybe, like, I, I think the seeing him at 96, like, okay, he's got that. It's just really comes down to the knee. The thing I question, and this goes right into the one thing that he has to approve upon. The thing for me is that it's endurance because we talked about this when the White Sox signed him in November, The reason why Clevenger was not very good in his last 11 starts with San Diego to end that season and why he was, let's just call it what it is, he was horrible in the postseason for the Padres against the Dodgers and the Phillies is because his stuff deteriorated after pitch 50. And you couldn't have him face a lineup a third time through the order because while you could watch the highlights and you put in the film in the first inning, he's hitting 96 you get into the third inning, he's not throwing 96 anymore. And while the first two innings, the curveball looks good, it all of a sudden loses snap in the third and fourth inning. Like his stuff is his stuff just did not hold up in San Diego. And I understand if he points to his knee issue and say, I had a problem with my knee and that was causing the problems. Well, I'm watching you in spring training and I'm watching you throw 43 pitches in two innings. So I don't think it's your knee that's the problem here, Mike. There is something else that's going on as far as the quality of pitches that you're throwing right now. And I get that it's spring training, but if you're throwing 43 pitches in spring training to cover two innings, uh, that doesn't give you a lot of confidence of seeing an effective back-end rotation starter where the White Sox need five innings from you, my dude. Like, you can't go and throw 85 pitches in four innings and all of a sudden Grafal is getting someone to warm up in the bullpen. Like, that defeats the entire purpose of signing you to to help Mm -hmm. out in the rotation. So, for me, it's the endurance. Like, it's, it's a general thing. 
you got to prove that your stuff does not deteriorate after pitch 50 and you got to prove that you can fight the third time through the order that can get you into the fifth and sixth inning of starts. If you can't do that, then the White Sox just gave $12 million to a swing man and he already got that guy and that guy is Davis Martin. Yeah, I mean, looking at his numbers last year, like he had only 91 strikeouts and 114 innings, 35 walks, and hit 10 batters. So basically, like, that's a 2-to-1 strikeout-to-walk uh, ratio you're looking at when you add in the hit-by-pitches, uh, which is not what you want from somebody who used to be more like 5-to-1. Right, and it got worse. In his last 11 starts, he only had, like, 32 strikeouts, Jim. His, yeah. his strikeout rate in his last 11 starts was 13.5%. So not only did the White Sox not do a background check on Mike Clevenger, I don't think they watched a lot of film of Mike Clevenger and how his season ended because a 13.5 strikeout rate, Jim, that's Dallas Keuchel. And mm-hmm. this is where my concern is, you just gave $12 million to a right-handed version of Dallas Keuchel. I do not want to have the conversation about on the field should the White Sox DFA Mike Clevenger because he's an absolute disaster in mid-June. Yeah, Um yeah, when it comes to you know that performance, like I can't see it being the knee. Like you know, you said it's not the right. knee. Like I can see it being the knee. Like if he's just like pitching at eighty percent, seventy five percent, like that just might not be a very good pitcher. Like he can gut through it. He can be like Mike Clevenger at seventy five percent might be better than like a quadruple A pitcher who like you know always go back to like Dylan Axelrod or somebody like him. Like that mm-hmm. that kind of. Typical, like, can get by with underwhelming stuff at the at the at AAA, but can't do it for long at the major league level. Like, maybe he's just like that better version to where, like, yeah, he he's get guys out one time through, maybe twice through a bad lineup, and that's all you need from the fifth starter. But just the way they rushed out and signed him, like, it does give me Adam Eaton vibes of just the White Sox getting too cute thinking like, oh, we've, you know, we're going to, we're going to get a $20 million pitcher with $12 million. Uh, and instead they get a guy who's, you know, typical $3 million sign, not Johnny Cueto, 3 million or 4 million, but just like the guys who usually sign for that much because they just don't have that much to offer. So that's kind of where I'm at. Um, okay. 96 was like a point in his favor. Um, but just, you mm-hmm. know, I want to know if the knee's healthy and, and you know, that'll come up too with the, the, the other guy we have yet to talk about. So over under 25 and a half starts for Mike Clevenger. Are you taking the over Jim? Or are you taking the under? I'm taking the under just because there is a <laughs> chance you, you get DFA'd like, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, with Lynn, you know, being under 28 and a half, like, like cease being under 225 strikeouts, Giolito being under 175. Like they're all unders to me, but just like slightly, like just, you know, not quite getting there, but, uh, in range this one i think there's just the 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 error bar or the range of possibilities a lot bigger i can see like nine starts and then the knee flares up or just like ooh, he's he's awful or you know god forbid the you know we'll we'll use rick hans word maturity issues uh resurface and all of a sudden like he's uh persona non grata even to white Sox front office personnel so yeah i mean there are a lot of ways that he can his stay on, on, on in a White Sox uniform could be a short one, health-wise, effectiveness, uh, other. So yeah, it, it's that's why I'm saying under and feel you know pretty good about it. It's more of a case where just I can see him, yeah, I, I can see that 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 mean or like the uh, if if you simulate this a bunch of times, like the the median outcome, like I could see it being like 
14 starts just with, you know, the, sometimes he makes five starts. Sometimes he makes 28, uh, just with the range of outcomes here. I think the Mike Clevenger experience in 2023 for the White Sox is five innings, 102 pitches thrown. He gives up six hits. He gives up two home runs. It's four earned runs. It's three walks and four strikeouts. And we're going to argue all year long if Mike Clevenger is good. Okay, I thought you were saying like just that one start. I was like, man, no. this is a very <laughs> no. That, I <laughs> like think that I think I think that's going to be the, the Mike... start. Is yeah, five innings, six hits, three runs. He leaves with a knee injury and never pitches again. Like oh. that's a really precise bet you're making. No. Like this is a no. this is a vision you're seeing. Yeah, but, no, yeah. I, I think that's going to be the Mike Clevenger experience. I, I think it's going to be a lot of pitches every inning. I don't think it's going to be deep starts. I think he is going to give up a lot of home runs, especially a guarantee rate field, but it may not be like the two or three run shots. It might be a couple of solo home runs that, okay, you're willing to eat. You know, it, it sucks that you gave up a home run, but it's not too much damage. And then we argue all year. If a four and a half ERA, Mike Clevenger is actually good. Like that's what I foresee being the Mike Clevenger experience. We'll see if he can stay healthy. That's going to be the biggest thing for him. This is a big year for him because if he pitches well, he's opting out. If he doesn't pitch well, the White Sox are opting out. Like, even though there's a mutual option for 2024, it's not very mutual. Uh, so I don't think Clevenger's going to be sticking around in the 2024 season. I think he's just dividing his $12 million. He gets $8 million this year, yeah. and he gets $4 million next year. But it's a hefty deferred salary, basically. It is pretty hefty, but I, I am a bit concerned right now uh, for Clevenger. A again, endurance is going to be the thing. He needs to prove that he can go at least five innings and his stuff holds up, or it's going to be just like he ended San Diego, and that was not a good pitcher. Finally, Michael Kopech. Boy, Jim, like this is the year that we need to see prime Michael Kopech as far as his player development. And I have a feeling that if we don't see it in 2023 from a starting pitching perspective, the White Sox may just have to have a pretty tough conversation and look at the marker board and wonder what do you do with this very talented pitcher that, you know, one of my biggest concerns is that for a guy who stays in shape, that unfortunately his body just betrays him. Like there's just X, Y, Z reason something gives out on him. And it's a bit unfair because Michael Kopech is very talented. I think he's more talented than Mike Clevenger. We saw that in spring training through three perfect innings in his one of his spring training starts. The next one, he's fading fast where mm -hmm. he's like 93 to 95. And then the last inning he's down to 91 and you're hoping that it's just dead arm. So is 2023 finally the year we see prime Michael Kopech, like the Michael Kopech we dreamed about when the white Sox acquired him from Boston. Yeah, it's, that is the question. Is it not <laughs> with Kopech? Like, uh, when it comes to the White Sox handling of injuries, like he's somebody who I wish the White Sox had a normal coaching staff, a normal manager, normal lines of communication, because like with him, you know, throwing 25 starts, throwing 119 innings, throwing many of those innings with a knee that was not cooperative, you know, holding them back, still succeeding, still being okay. Like I could see it going both ways. Like I could see 
uh, like let's say Pedro Grafal shows up a year earlier or Rick Renteria is still managing the Sox. And I could say like, yeah, it was worthwhile for him to make those 25 starts, even compromise because he's healthy enough to throw it. It didn't jeopardize his arm. The guy just needed to pitch starts. He needed to make appearances, needed to throw innings. 120 is a career high, at least at the major league level. He threw 69 the year before. He was inactive the year before. So that's progress towards the goal of getting him towards like 150, 160 innings. It wasn't pretty at times, but he made it. Like he just got through the season, experienced the grind, better knows how to respond to it. I can also see him just being another case where like the White Sox were lucky it wasn't worse because with the way they mismanaged Luis Robert and the way they mismanaged Larry Garcia and the way they might have mismanaged Yasmani Grandal and and Yohan Mankata uh, basically treating their season like rehab stints like I could see being a case like lucky that his arm didn't wasn't compromised by his lower body being uh, off so like I don't know like in isolation great that he got through that grind. Um, but is it just a case where like, yeah, he's, his body just finds a different way to betray him. And he really should have made the starts that he made and he got lucky to get through the season in, in one piece. Like that's, I don't know. (laughs) And, uh, I wish I did just because like, ideally he would be like the white Sox number three starter right now. Right. And maybe like Lance Lynn would be bumped down to number four with his knee concerns. And then after G Lee leaves in free agency, you know, Kopech's at number two and Lynn's back to number three, or maybe they add somebody else. Like he would be uh, up there, but right now he just kind of feels like a number five to me in terms of just not number five in terms of talent, but just like the innings, like how many innings he can contribute, you know, when baseball reference has their five starters and it has like uh, you know, it arranges them no matter what by innings, not by, you know, ERA or wins above replacement. He'll be number five just because, you know, maybe not this year because of a Clevenger, but just like, he feels like that number five starter just, you know, he's never going to throw 150 innings. And so like, you just hope that four guys throw more than he does. So he's down in that fifth slot. If he's like a, a, in a sea of guys throwing 120, 130 innings and he, you know, rises to number three, there were some problems. What is the one thing that Kopech has to approve upon? Health or like knee, like just stability, um, ability to have that power because, you know, he can get by with just his fastball sometimes, which is remarkable for a right-handed pitcher. Like, you know, you would think like he's throwing like 98, like sure. At least, you know, like even like Nate Eovaldi had to figure out something else because like his 98 to hundred wasn't all that special when there was nothing else there. And like he had ERAs in the high fours and he had like unimpressive strikeout rates and like Kopech's 98 to hundred just looks different. And then like when he has to throw a slider, that's that's a really good pitch and he barely needs to throw the curveball or change it, but he's working on those two now. Um, but when that power is not there, he's, uh, just getting by, like he's just surviving. He's, he's, he's treading water. So really just the, the knee, the power, the drive, you know, to, to be able to, you know, generate that velocity that makes all of his other stuff so special. So let's go to the over under. Because I'm yeah, with the same you. thing I imagine for the one thing to improve. Yeah, because it, it, I think it, it is health. Like his walk rate, his strikeout rate, everything is thrown off. And I think it's just because he's not healthy. And it's just like a variety of things. It, it's a knee. It's a hamstring. He's had Tommy John. Like I, I'm hoping we don't hear something like, oh, there's something wrong with his shoulder. Like you're running out of body parts to hurt here, Michael. Like, yeah. And, and that's what concerns me. This is a guy in his mid-20s. Fantastic shape. He is what you would, if you build a pitcher 
from scratch as far as height and the type of things that they can throw as far as hit the velocity and the spin rates and the slider, you would design Michael Kopak. But it just my my fear is that his body is failing him. Yeah. In the mid twenties, and it sucks. It happens in sports all the time, and hopefully Michael Kopak can overcome it and he could reach what we all hoped and dreamed that he could be, especially when he was dominant in the minor leagues for the White Sox before he had Tommy John surgery. I think we're still hoping to see that type of Michael Kopek. We've seen flashes of it, and then you know I get really excited, but then something else gets in the way or trips up Michael Kopech and it's not entirely his fault. So when it comes to the over under, I have 120 and a half innings for Michael Kopech. You have been under four straight times. Are you going under again, Jim? It's Narby's night five for five. <laughs> you are going under. <laughs> just beyond you know, just because like it makes him have to do something he's never done before. If he can't go 120 innings and if the body it's just breaking down on him again. Bruce Levine's been talking about this on six of the score for years that he's the White Sox future closer. I think at some point you got to have this conversation. Like if his body can't hold up for a hundred innings, do you put him in the bullpen where he can make 50 appearances for you? And cause he was really good out of the bullpen for the White Sox in 2021. Like, I don't. I would rather have him be a starting pitcher because, again, he's mm-hmm. shown flashes of being incredibly dominant. Just put in the film last year in May at Yankee Stadium where he was phenomenal against the New York Yankees. He can do it. It's just, can the body hold up? And I, I think I want to be optimistic here. I'm going to say over. There's, there's not a okay. lot backing me up here. There's not. This is mm-hmm. hoping, wishing, praying that Michael Kopech throws more innings than Mike Clevenger. But if Kopech does not throw more innings than Mike Clevenger because of injuries, then there is a difficult conversation that needs to be had in the offseason of what is best for Michael Kopech and what is best for the Chicago White Sox because you cannot continue doing this song and dance of not knowing exactly what Michael Kopech can provide you when it comes to roster construction. I agree. And... Uh, like I like the over, like I can see it. It's just, you know, because he's been a, a tease for his whole career, like, you know, for reasons, uh, you know, some out of his control, some like, you know, he had some, you know, with the opting out of the COVID season, like he had some, you know, we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Personal items to attend to, like our personal matters to attend to, to where just like, yeah, you know, he's had, he, he's lived a life. We'll put it that way. Like he's, he's lived a life in, in, in his, you know, 26, 27 years we're talking about. Um, so yeah, just, it, it's been a case where like he's, you know, some of it's been body, some of it's been having to get priorities in order. So I just want him to show me before, like it, it he, I put theoretical money on it, which I don't do, but mm-hmm. I just, so that's, that's why I say under it's, it, I feel like exceptionally pessimistic, but my most case, just like, it's just a little under, you know, not in this case, but like, like Clevenger, I can see the under being the, the median under case being like far under just because of all the ways his body has betrayed him. And like, should there be some damage from the way the White Sox handled him last year? Like, I don't quite know. So yeah, that's the projected White Sox started rotation. So we're pretty confident in the front three and Dylan Cease, Lance Lynn and Lucas Giolito. There are some big questions at the back end of the started rotation. As far as the guys that could Fill in as the 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th starter for the White Sox. We're going to have those conversations next week when we talk about the bullpen because these guys could be swing men, uh, swing men for the White Sox, uh, at least out of the bullpen, to start the 2023 season. So that is the starting pitchers. Jim and I are going to take one more quick break for a word from our sponsors. But coming up next, we're going to talk about the projected starting catcher for the White Sox, Yasmani Grandal, and his projected backup, Sebi Zavala, next on the Sox Machine Podcast. Welcome back to the Sox Machine Podcast. All right, the last of the position players, and we paired them up with the starting pitchers because they're going to be working with the starting pitchers a lot, and that is the White Sox catching situation. And it is Yasmani Grandal as a projected starter for the White Sox, and his projected backup is Sebi Zavala. And when it comes to Yasmani Grandal, I think the big storyline for him, because this is also a contract year, just like Lucas Giolito for Yasmani Grandal, this is the last year of his deal with the Chicago White Sox. He's an aging catcher. I do not think he's going to be signing $18 million contracts in the future, but how he plays in 2023 can drastically change the type of short-term contracts he signs in the near future, Jim. For Grandal, can he fight off age regression one more season? Well, when you say it that way, like he didn't fight off age regression last season. He (laughs) succumbed to it. He... Uh, collapse. He cried uncle, everything like that. So like, you know, can he do it when he didn't do it last year? Can he have the dead cat bounce? You know, is another way to put it. I think he can like, again, going back to the Tony La Russa, you know, administration handling of injuries. Like he should not have been playing probably in the state that he was playing. Um, it looked like a rehab start. Like he looked like he was just, I'm around the, just around the corner, getting a feel for it. Like I'm not starting at catching enough. Like Reese McGuire is playing too often. And that's why I'm not finding my groove. Like I don't, you know, I think it's pride talking. I think it's just, you know, like the case of just trying to will himself into being that all-star catcher that he had been even like the year before coming back from the knee surgery. Like he was awesome. So, um, like, I don't know if like a different manager, he has a better year, has like an ordinary year, has a case where he misses some time and McGuire has to pick up the slack or Sebi Zavala comes in, what have you. But like he doesn't drag the position through the depths that it went to because there's an adult in charge who can ultimately say like, nope, you've had enough to the injured list you go. So yeah, that, that's my big question. Like, And I think he's probably the biggest poster boy for it because because I can see a case where 
his knee's healthy, his back's healthy, there's no shift, and he's fine. Like, he's still a bit frustrating at times with pass balls, and he allows more stolen bases than you want to, in part because, like, Michael Kopech isn't fast to the plate, but he's good, he's fine. He's he's what you want from a catcher because there aren't a whole lot of good catchers in the league. Um, So I can see it. So I guess in this case, I'm a little bit more optimistic, but partially because, like, he's reframed the conversation so greatly that below average would be fine for what we saw last year and just how bad it can get. 93 games in 2021, 23 homers, 62 RBIs, a 940 OPS, a 3.6 war season. 2022, 99 games played, 5 home runs, 27 RBIs, a 570 OPS, a negative 0.4 war, according to Fangraphs. That is a four war difference from year to year. I think it's safe to, it's safe to say that somewhere in between <laughs> in 2021 and 2022, mm-hmm. Grandal will find himself in 2023. And one of the benefits of the White Sox hiring Pedro Grafal is that Grafal had a fantastic relationship with Salvador Perez. And Salvador Perez has been aging well, despite... The injuries and a lot of that, yeah, is offense. That, and the crushing weight of P. Knowles's hatred. Yeah, and <laughs> Perez is an excellent hitting catcher. And honestly, that's what the White Sox need. They need Grandal to be, again, an excellent hitting catcher. I think the one thing he's got to prove upon is everything <laughs> from 2022. Mm-hmm. I mean, he didn't, he didn't do anything well. Uh, you know, his walk rate was cut in half from 2021. Uh, still above 10% because it's Yasmani Grandal, but his on-base percentage was just 301 in 2022. Like, it is strictly across the board, but I'm wondering here with the shift ban, if mm-hmm. all of a sudden Yasmani Grandal picks up more singles and he sees a BABIP increase, and maybe that gives him more confidence here and working with Grafal that we see a dead cat bounce from Yasmani Grandal in 2023. And I am picking that phrase specifically, Jim, because that's what I think it would be. The end of the road is near for catchers like Yasmani Grandal, where they transition into becoming backup catchers, really good backup catchers, but backup catchers later part of their career. And that's where I'm kind of seeing Yasmani Grandal here is the transition that I think he's got one more good year offensively but as far as what he's got to improve upon I mean it's simple it's across the board all numbers have to improve yeah and it comes down to like we've had this conversation with other guys the base knees Mm -hmm. and back and you know Andrew Vaughn just come up with him having a sore back in spring training and we could have we we dodged like a five minute uh, Josh monologue at the top of the show by just getting the preview but just knees and back are important for like having any kind of dynamic uh, impact at the plate. So yeah, um, I'm hoping that he'll benefit from better lines of communication. Yeah, benefit. He should benefit from the shift. Like he doesn't have to change his approach at all. He can just grip and rip and just try to hit 15 to 20 homers and uh, yeah, draw a few more walks because he's a little bit more dangerous. My fear would be like if he's getting more singles, he's on the bases more. We have to watch him run more. I guess it's a case where like he could hurt himself there. And I guess Joe McEwing is not here anymore. So we'll find out if Eddie Rodriguez is a you know a similar thing to where he's sending guys to his death at home plate. But uh, like 
don't like watching him run, but I'm hoping to see him have to run more. Maybe he'll have to trot more because there'll be uh, other guys will be homering behind him. But yeah, I, I'm strangely optimistic about him hmm. just because I, I think, you know, because of the way the game is helping him out, the game's meeting him halfway, say like, oh, only two infielders on the right side. Um, assuming they don't, there was some talk about, uh, I think it was, uh, Ali Marmol on the Cardinals said like something about like how the league will crack down on playing the left fielder in right field, uh, shallow right field to uh, replace the second baseman if they if teams start doing that because it is not in the spirit of the rule. Um, so you know, assuming that there isn't a third infielder on the right side, like I can see the game helping them out, and I could see just benefiting from you know all this this continuing theme of just a manager who understands how healthy Grandal isn't is or isn't and can make the appropriate call with who should be playing. Grandal could be he could have a sneaky year Jim where he hits 22 plus home runs for the White Sox. Yeah. Cuz he did it 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, obviously 2020, short in year and he had 23 in 2021. Like as far as regular season years, yeah, five straight years of 20 plus home runs from Yasmani Grandal. And if he bounces back, he may get to 20 plus home runs again for the White Sox and might get people to believe and bring him back on another contract. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, if, if that's a good idea, because it leads to our over under Grandal has not played a hundred games with the White Sox. He fell one game short last year. So the over under specifically at catcher, 90 and a half starts at catcher for Yasmani Grandal in 2023. You taking the over, Jim, or should I just pen you in at the under again? You know what I'm going to say. You know oh, what I'm going to say. Yeah. Under just because of being careful with him and being judicious. Like, yeah, that's one thing where how poorly he played, I think he can... Yeah, I imagine his pride has to be hurt a little bit or he's adjusted his pride to say like, yeah, if I'm not playing 120 games, I understand. I may not like it, but I understand. Like I cannot be unhappy with like the White Sox. If he gets off to a rough start, the White Sox allocating playing time quite a bit differently in May until Grandal proves that he can bounce back. Like it's not going to be a case where he just keeps playing, playing, playing because he's going to turn around. Like sometimes he doesn't turn around. So with this, um, you know, with this now in his track record of just being flat an entire year, um, it does give Griffal and the coaching staff leeway to pick other playing time um, you know, or, and, and pitcher pairings to um, all of a sudden, like it's more of a 50, 50 splits between Grandal and Zavala or, or the, the other healthy catcher just to get by. And then there's also a case where he just gets hurt again. You know, the knees and back for a catcher uh, can all, you know, it, it's a, a, a looming threat at all times, just because the nature of the job. So for many reasons, I can see him coming under, and I'm hoping it's just a case where, like, if you make 70 starts, it's just carefully managed. And it's 70 impactful starts, 70 uh, starts of a guy who's playing well. And then the other starts are picked up guy guys who are also um, adequate second and third catchers. 
He's, I think he's got to make at least 81 starts a catcher for the White Sox if they're going to make it to the postseason. They yeah. they need Yasmani Grandal in the lineup, but I'm also going to take the under. With your point of view, Jim, that's a lot of Sevi Zavala. Yeah. And that's a lot of Carlos Perez. It is. And that scares me. But a lot of catcher situations around baseball are scary. Yeah, that's true. So that's, that's why like, I think you have to lower your standards a little bit in terms of just like... Some catchers, uh, like we've seen it with Cleveland. Cleveland just gets by. They pick one strength and they say, like, good enough. <laughs> That's true. That is true. I guess I just got spoiled by Yasmani Grandal in 2000. And James McCann, where, yeah. Yeah, it's fun to say that, you know, the White Sox have the, the best catching duo. You know, for a couple of years there, they had one of the best catchers of Major League Baseball. And now they're kind of falling back to the pack at the position. And it may it's going to greatly depend on how well yes, buddy Grandel plays in 2023, but let's talk about Sebi Zavala and he's the last player that we'll preview in this episode. And for Zavala, I think the big storyline and, and you know what? He's had a fascinating track. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've been following Sebi Zavala ever since he's been part of the white Sox organization. When he, it was caught us by surprise that he was outplaying Zach Collins, the first round catcher, down in the minor leagues. We got to know Sevi Zavala. And here's Zavala still with the White Sox. He's the backup catcher. And Zach Collins is fighting for a job with the Cleveland Guardians. And Collins might be going to AAA uh, to Columbus, uh, the AAA affiliate for the Cleveland Guardians. So congrats to Sevi Zavala. But I think moving forward, is Sevi Zavala a dependable backup catcher? I think that's an answer. That's a question that we're still trying to answer going into 2023, Jim. I feel confident about saying yes partially because of the standards of the position like in terms of like you know maybe in a different year Mm -hmm. or a different era like he'd be bottom rung like you know maybe like or at least bottom half of the backup catchers still wondering like about the strikeout issue and everything like that but we've seen him make gains uh we've seen him like the the stack casts uh, blocking metric loves him uh his receiving has improved to where like he's an above average receiver you wish the arm were a little bit better to be like the kind of yeah, go back to Reese McGuire. Like when Reese McGuire plays, you know why he's playing. You know, like you know why he's he's gonna receive well, gonna block well enough, gonna throw well, and and whatever he provides at the plate is a bonus. Like the arm thing is just kind of the one area to where like keeps him short of being like that um, defensive specialist. You know, even going back to like you know, Cleveland situation, Austin Hedges, of just being like you know why he's playing. Like you may not like that. He has to come up every as often as Jose Ramirez in a game. Uh, but you know why he's playing. And I think Zavala is close to being that guy. Just more a matter of like, if he can do one thing, like if he can be like a power and framing guy or power and blocking guy, mm-hmm. um, then he's good. Or if he can like throw a little bit better and just be like the glove first guy. Great. Uh, but it just seems like in order to be like that clear, you know, sturdy backup or like at least maybe transcending backup and being like a one B catcher for like the catchers that don't really have a first stringer. Like it would just help if he did like one thing a little better, but we've seen him make improvements. He has improved his receiving. He's improved his blocking. Uh, and to get to the next question about like thing to improve upon, uh, sorry. Uh, and to, no, okay. you're good. Okay. Keep but, going. Uh, like the contact rate, like the contact rate, 66% contact rate, pretty bad, but he's also improved that. So it's like, it was really bad in previous years, like below 50% in some cases. So like he's made strides. Can he continue to make strides? Um, like, I, I don't want to say, 
a guy can't stop improving until he stops improving. Like if he's shown the ability to do it, you kind of got to give him some leeway that he can keep doing it because he's at least shown the work ethic and shown that he's open mind enough to receive instruction on things that he might not have been doing well enough to have a job. So hats off to him. This is secretly a big year for Sebi Zavala because as I mentioned, while we're hoping for a dead cat bounce from Yas Money Grandal, the White Sox are not going to sign a new contract with Grandal, paying him $18-plus plus million a year to be a catcher in 2024 and beyond. Like, the White Sox are going to move on or they're going to renegotiate a new deal with Grandal that doesn't even come close to that type of salary number, and I'm not even sure if Grandal would be interested in returning to take that type of pay cut. So for Sebi Zavala, he's got an opportunity here, Jim, to prove that he could take a step forward in his development and maybe convince some within the Chicago White Sox that maybe he's worthwhile to roll the dice and being the primary catcher in 2024. I'm not trying to scare our listeners away mm-hmm. by saying that right now, looking ahead, but that's why I'm thinking like this could be secretly a big year for Sebi Zavala because he's got something not just to prove that he's a reliable backup catcher and he's got staying power in the major leagues, but there could be a path depending on how well he plays that he could convince some in the clubhouse, in the front office, that maybe he should get a look at being the starting catcher for the White Sox in 2024, at least in the short term. That leads me to the over-under, and I think that could help convince some is if he does hit for power, as you mentioned. He's like a power-hitting catcher. Doesn't hit for batting average, but he he hits for some thump, and we've seen it before from Sebi Zavala. The, I, I can't believe he still he did it, but he had three home runs in a game. If he's going to play a lot, I'm going to put the over-under at nine and a half home runs for Sebi Zavala. Are you going over or under on that total, Jim? You know what I'm going to say. Over. Yes. <laughs> in, part to say, in part to say over just once, but also like – He's had, you know, he's shown the power. He's shown the power, like even as a prospect, like the power has been there. It's been just more of a matter of contact rate in terms of just like the, he doesn't make enough contact or hasn't made enough contact to like just the percentage of like great contact has to be really high uh, in order for him to get to like 10 homers before. But like he hit 20 at Charlotte, hit, uh, you know, 21 between uh, Kannapolis and Winston-Salem at A-ball. You'll hit 11 and 56 games at Birmingham. So like the power has been there as a prospect. It's just been a matter of like getting quality contact at the major league level, but it's not a matter of strength, not a matter of like the barrel being on time to get lift, just more a matter of like the barrel being the right location for the pitch. But like, here's a case where like, I I feel like I need some optimism here because I'm not as pessimistic as like five unders and make it sound for this whole unit. We talked about in six, uh, I guess six unders when you include a grand doll. So I'm going to say like, I think he can get, he'll play enough for one. Like I think he can make like 70 starts and get like 300 plate appearances. And also like when you see the improvement elsewhere, that he'll keep playing. And I can see like, I can see him hitting, you know, a dozen homers may not be pretty like might be like a kind of low average 230 average 280 on base percentage like in the ugly homer to rbi ratio that i like talking about to where he hits like 12 homers and drives in 29 runs but i can see him hitting 12 homers so let's say he does all right i like it i'm, I'm gonna go under but i i see the path that you're talking about to to get over especially if he 
if he makes a lot of starts or if Grandal gets hurt early and he misses a month or, or two months and then it's a lot of Sebi Zavala, you're hoping that he hits more than 10 home runs if he suddenly becomes the primary starting catcher for the Chicago White Sox. Again, this is secretly a big year for Sebi Zavala to prove that not only is he a reliable major league backup catcher, but maybe he can convince some to be a starting catcher in the near future for the Chicago White Sox as they have some transitions coming up with some players in their contract years. But that will do it for this episode of the Sox Machine Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening as we conclude our starting pitcher and catcher position previews for the upcoming 2023 season. Next week, it is all about the bullpens. We'll talk about the relievers and maybe we'll get some clues in who is going to make the opening day bullpen for new manager Pedro Grafal. But if you just discovered the Sox Machine podcast, you can follow us on Twitter. We're at Sox Machine. You can follow me on Twitter at Sox Machine underscore Josh. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Sox Machine and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts such as Apple and Spotify. If you enjoy our work and want more, you can sign up at patreon.com slash SoxMachine, where our Patreon supporters, they get more from us. They get exclusive content, like my weekly 2023 MLB draft reports. They get ad-free versions of both the podcast and website. And when we have new Sox Machine swag at the Sox Machine store, they're the first ones to receive it. Monthly plans start at $2, where you can save with an annual subscription. Again, sign up at patreon.com slash SoxMachine. The Sox Machine Podcast is a production of SoxMachine.com. You're all for all things Chicago White Sox baseball and part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Alongside Jim Margulis, I'm Josh Nelson. Thanks for listening and watching. 